Without further ado, I'm going to ask an amazing man of God to come forward and uh, share his heart this this evening, and that's Kevin. Thanks. Hi, everyone. In a moment, you'll all be given a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, and I want everybody to make a paper plane. Now, where's the lady that was singing Top Gun before? Cheryl, come on out. I want you to do the Top Gun song. (laughs) Come on, come on, come on. What? Uh, I'm I'm armless. Look, I've got an arm behind my back. (laughs) Give her a big round of applause. (coughs) We want some Top Gun aeroplanes here. Anybody else know the song? The only one I know is da 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 You were thinking about the song. Okay, yeah, you're going to record this song for. No, I it's not, no, it's not on podcast. <laughs> no. Okay. <coughs> Everybody join <laughs> in. <laughs> Uh, now, can this side do any better than that side with the song? Is it? Oh, okay. Now, who's finished their aeroplane? Okay, come, come. Give him a bit. Anybody that's finished, come on out with your aeroplane. Bring him out. Bring him out. Aeroplane jelly for me. Ah, oh, that's my <laughs> style of music. I love jelly. I love aeroplane jelly. Okay, come on, give him a, give him a bowl. See how good you are. Okay. Oh, uh, wow! Big round of applause. Wow! Look at that. Ah, uh, you got to go and get. Oh! <laughs> oh, look at that boomerang. Okay. Okay. That's good, that's good. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Okay. Now find find your own aeroplane. Boy, that was brilliant. Oh, look at that. Now... When I, when I was a bit younger, the Russians perfected the ejector seat for aeroplanes. They were having so many crashes. <laughs> oh, good. Irene, you just got landed. <laughs> okay, now you'll need your aeroplanes back, everybody. Uh, that, that belongs to this man over here with the glasses. Oh, there was an obstruction. Who owns this one? It came from over there somewhere. Might be yours. 
Okay. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Give him a big You'll need it back. Oh, it wasn't yours. Okay, can you find your own aeroplane, please? Okay. Okay, who enjoyed that? Good, good. You did it. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to retrieve your plane. <laughs> retrieve your plane. You'll need it. You'll need it to help with the sermon. Okay. Now you've already been a great help with the sermon, and tonight I want to talk about step three in the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, program. And now some of you will know it off by heart. We made a decision to hand a over the care of God as we understood him. Okay. We made a decision to hand our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Now, how many of you have made bad decisions in the past? Oh, that's at least half of you. <laughs> Okay, how many of you have made really good decisions in the past? Okay, that's good, that's good. So, okay, a decision, a decision without a focus is going to leave you wondering. Now, I wonder how many of you have ever started the day thinking, what am I going to do today? What am I, yeah, some of you, some of you have, I have. And now that I'm retired, I wake up in the morning thinking, what do I do now that I don't have to go to the office by a certain hour in the morning and I'm there till a certain hour at night sometimes? Um, you know, like a day without dis focus in decision-making can leave you wandering around in circles. Anybody ever live like that? Yeah, yeah. And so a decision without focus will leave you wandering around in circles going nowhere. Now, this step is about making a decision that has amazing focus. It'll take you somewhere. Another thing is the decision without action will get you nowhere. Okay. Anybody ever made the decision and never carried it out. <laughs> We're all in the same boat, aren't we? We I wonder why we do that. Okay. We're gunners? Yeah, I'd rather be a has been than a could have been. You know? How about that? You like that one? You can use it if you like. I'd rather be a has been than a could have been. You know? Now, the older I get, the better I was, too, by the way. <laughs> I remember my dad telling me a story of going on his push bike from Dungog to Minmai, which takes about an hour and a half in a car on 35, in 35 minutes on his push bike. But every time he told it, the time got shorter. The older he got, the better his memory got. Now, I was in the car with our grandson, Joshua, just a moment ago, and sometimes we get their names mixed up. And he looked at me and said, Poppy, what's it like to lose your memory? <laughs> I said, I can't remember. 
some of the things that we decide we're going to do, we forget, don't we? And we lose our memory on some pretty important decisions that we make. Like a decision, I'd, I'd like to write a book. I've decided to write a book. Uh, what have I done about it? Well, I've done a few things about it. But if I do nothing about it, it will get me nowhere. Well, you know, can you think of some of the decisions you've made in life that you haven't done anything about? I decided to do the washing up. Oh, the dishes are still on the sink. I thought I might make my bed this morning. Uh, oh, it's still got last month's sheets on them. You know, <laughs> I thought I might tidy the house. Oh, yeah, the dust is only two inches thick now, right? Decisions we do nothing about. Now, once we make a decision, it needs to have some corresponding action to keep it complete. And here we have a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Now, if we do nothing with our decisions and if we have no focus in our decision, then it's a bit like wishful thinking. Oh, I wish my life were a bit better. I remember years ago, years ago, we were sent to Mwilumba, which is just not that far from Nimbin. Has anybody ever been to Nimbin? Right. <laughs> I saw some funny things at Mwilumba, I tell you. Loved the place. We had a wonderful time, three years in Mwilumba. But the number of people that would wander down from Nimbin, and I'd say, so what do you want to do with your life? And I said to one young lady one day, where do you want to be in five years' time? Mate, I want to have a really nice car and a two- or three-story house. So what are you going to do about it? I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do about it. Just, and sometimes we are away with the fairies. And what sort of a cloud are we on? I don't know. But it's like... Sometimes our decision-making is a little bit like living in la-la land, isn't it? Anybody ever been there? Now, we don't have to be addicted to alcohol or drugs or anything like that to live like that. A lot of people who don't seem to have any of those addictive issues still live in funny places when it comes to decision-making. There are a lot of people in this world, I don't know whether you know any that um, pretend they're not uh, in that boat, but a lot of people who don't have any focus or any action to their decision making. But here we've been given an amazing sense of focus, an amazing opportunity for a decision to be made to hand our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. So, a decision without focus, a decision without action is just a bit like wishful thinking. Now, what are we handing over to the care of God? It's our will and our lives. 
Now, we've heard some amazing stories tonight about hardship. That is part of what we hand over to the care of God. We've got people that have hurt us in our past. Hmm. I've listened to a fair few people talk about, you know, they share their step five with me. Uh, as Val May said on Sunday, uh, we did some time uh, in rehab services and people would come and they'd say, would you listen to my step five? Now you hear some horrible stories of betrayal and hurt. People have, you know, are part of the reason why people get involved in uh, taking addictive substances is to try to help them with the pain of what other people have done to them. Right. Not the smartest of decisions to make to use a substance, as we've all discovered, but for a while it seems to help. But that's part of what we're handing over to the world, uh, to the care of God. Anybody ever watched the movie Richie Rich? Isn't that great? Now, these crooks, you know the story? These crooks want to get the rich stuff in the cave and you've got to go around this horrible path and, and they eventually get in there and there's all the photos, <laughs> all the family memories. And the old guy in the house says, well... Yeah, these are the things we really treasure. But where's your money? Well, it's in the bank where it's supposed to be. Right? Now, that, that desire, Richie Rich, is, uh, is, is, is a very important uh, person in, 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 in the movie world. And he, what were they looking for? The whole of their life was in that cave. The memories, the whole works. It was in safe keeping. And the money was in safe keeping. We're handing all of that, the good stuff, the, the real good stuff, over to the care of God as we understand him. It's in safe keeping. But the horrible stuff we hand over to the care of God as well. Now, it's not just that people hurt us, but sometimes, oh, I don't know whether you've ever done this, but we hurt other people. Anybody ever done that? I remember once I said something to somebody and I thought, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. Never got a chance to apologize and the, the person died. And I felt some amazing remorse and grief over that that I never got a chance to apologize and ask their forgiveness. And sometimes that comes back to haunt me. And, uh, and, and it's important for me to remember that I hand that over to the, will, uh, to the care of God, to the care of God. Now, look at your paper plane for a moment. And <coughs> I'd like you to imagine that that paper plane represents the whole of your life. I'd like you to put a little tear. Imagine that the nose of the plane is when you started life and the uh, rear end is when you end life. Okay. Now somewhere along there, imagine you're going to live to 150. I'd like to think everybody could. All right. Now put a little tear in the plane at the point where you made your first bad decision or life started to go belly up for you 
Just put a little tear there. Now, I want you to add more tears to more things that went wrong along the way. Now, all those tears are beginning to take some sort of a shape on the plane, but what's it doing to the plane? It won't work anymore, will it? And, as in step one, our lives become unmanageable because of things that we've done that have caused us to become dysfunctional or unmanageable. But we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves might just be able to lift us up a little bit. And now we're at step three. And I believe that step three is the step in the 12 steps that joins the first two with the rest of the steps. All right? You've got step three as sort of a pivotal point. Now, some of us take a long while to admit we might have a problem. Have you ever had anybody say, you're wrong? Anybody here stubborn enough to say, no, I'm not? <laughs> now, I've got a wife who's very, very straightforward, and she'll sometimes say to me, that was not very nice of you. And, and I sort of resist that. Do you ever resist? Yeah, it's, it's not very nice. I have a friend in Canberra, uh, and I was sounding off to him one day, and he looked at me and said, Kevin, um, you seem to still have a big problem with pride, don't you? I looked at him and I thought, well, I've got a couple of options here. So I said, what makes you say that? And he said, well, your attitude just then was uh, very full of pride and you forgot that you're not the most important person in the discussion that we're having. The people that we are discussing are the most important people that, you know, and it's not about you. It's about the people that you serve. And uh, he had to pull me up. Now, this man wouldn't call himself a Christian in the narrow terms that I would call myself a Christian. But God used him to wake me up to my pride. You see, it's our pride that causes us to refuse to believe that we have a problem. And it's the pride that we hand over to the will uh, to the care of God. Pride is part of our will. Pride is part of our ability to say, no, there is nothing wrong with me. And occasionally somebody will say to me, Kevin, you're sounding a bit angry. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I am not. And if you keep going this way, I'll probably get angry. Ever done that? Yeah, we all do it, don't we? You see, we've got this thing called pride and it won't let us admit that we have a problem. And that's what we have to hand over. Your will and your life equal the sum of all the decisions you've ever made. Now, what people do to you 
is not as important as the decision you make to respond to what they do. Does that make sense? Now, I might come over here and say, Katrina, uh, you stink. <laughs> and her response was to smell to see if that was true. <laughs> she didn't. Uh, she's actually almost smiling at me. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, we do that in jest. But if I come to you in seriousness and tell you how horrible you are, all right, you could say thank you very much, but your opinion stinks and I don't, you know. And we could end up to be horrible and never speak to each other again, which is not a good outcome. What you do with the hurt that people land on you is more important than the hurt. Some people can get hurt, but some people can live in misery. And living in misery is a choice. Getting hurt is sometimes not a choice. I could come and slap you on the face. <laughs> All right? You could live in unforgiveness. All right? That's your choice. I told a joke one day, and I might actually share the joke with you. There were three soldiers, and they went to the quartermaster's office, and they were getting their yearly supply of underwear. The um, American landed at the desk and he says, um, yeah, uh, I'm here for my underwear. And the sergeant says, well, you get um, seven sets of underwear. There. And, the, and the American goes, um, uh, excuse me, sergeant, but I always go out to the dance on Saturday night. I need eight sets of underwear. Eight sets of underwear. I change. I have a shower after work and I change. I need eight sets of underwear. And the Aussie next to him says, don't worry about it, mate. I stay in my jammies all day Saturday and um, he can have my, he can, I'll just take six because I won't need them, mate, mate. And she's right. Well, the next one was the Englishman. He says, I'll have 12. He said, why will you have 12? He says, well, there's January, there's February, there's, <laughs> Right. Well, there were two people listening to this who happened to be very sensitive English people who walked out and they seemed to be extremely offended and I knew that I'd offended them so I rang them up and I said, I have offended you, I am terribly sorry. We don't want to talk to you. And I said, that's fine. But I just want you to know that I apologize from, uh, with all sincerity. Um, I, I didn't realize that this would offend you. I should have been more sensitive to your needs. Um, anyway, people in the congregation saw what happened and they, um, they approached them. And the lady said, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to forgive him we're going to make him suffer. Well, I'd done all I knew from a biblical point of view to restore that relationship. And I had done everything, and I was quite relaxed in the fact that I had done everything to try to fix the problem. Now, I have people who chose to live in misery, but when they came back, when they came back, 
it, we'd all learn something. And their approach to me was quite different. And they wanted to learn. They wanted to learn. Now, for anybody that was offended by the joke, I do apologise. But I want to say that if you choose to live in misery, that's your choice. We can offend. But see, this is part of the stuff we hand over to the care of God. We give it to him and he deals with that. He cares about that. He cares intensely. Now, your will and your life equal the sum of all the decisions you've ever made. And it also equals the sum of all the decisions you're making at this moment and all the decisions you're going to make. Anybody here scared about the future? All right. Now, that fear is something that you can hand over to the care of God as you understand him. Now, some people have a very interesting idea of God. I, as I said, I've done a few years in the rehab services and listened to some people's idea of who their higher power is. Now, one guy had the five o'clock tram as his higher power. He lived in Melbourne, uh, well, where there were trams anyway, Melbourne, and one day there was a tram strike. His higher power failed him. Now, Will your choice of a higher power keep consistent power? Good. Now, another guy, his power, his higher power, was a favorite tree. He used to sit under this tree, but one day it blew down in a storm. It was struck by lightning and the wind tore it apart. His higher power failed him. So in the choice of a higher power, what sort of higher power do you want? Now, I've got this checklist. Is this higher power that some of us will call God, is this power more powerful than you? You've got to make sure. You see, a lot of people choose a higher power that isn't more powerful. And then say they, somebody might say, well, uh, my, my, my higher power is the ocean. I'll go down to the ocean every day. Well, yes, it might have more power. But does that higher power have a, an ability to have compassion for you? Like if you go into the ocean and you hit a bad current, there's no compassion for you in that, is there? Right? So you... The higher power that we choose needs to be able to have compassion for us. Now, does your higher power have more intelligence than you? Good. Now, some people choose a higher power that has no intelligence. Like the five o'clock tram or the tree. Well, we don't know much about trees and intelligence in them. But the power to make decisions on your behalf that are going to be good for you. And what about um, 
the power and the capacity to restore you to sanity. Does your higher power have that? You see, we need to check out. Some people make these um, blind uh, uh, decisions to, to have a power without, without thinking it through. And I've, I've done a lot of time in hotels. I remember one weekend I was, um, I was doing a men's camp. And there was a guy there that uh, didn't want to be there. And uh, one, of the, one of the fellows in the camp, uh, one of the team members said, well, Kevin, I suppose you're going to be missing your pub crawl tomorrow night. So the camp started on a Thursday night. And normally on a Friday night I would take the uh, the collection box around the hotels. And this guy, he thought, oh, I'll be able to run away with this bloke tomorrow night and go on a pub crawl. <laughs> now, in the pubs, you hear a lot of funny theories about God. Who's heard some really funny theories when you were drinking about who God is, you know? And like, boy, oh boy, I, I've heard some weird stuff. But if you really want to know who God is, you look into the face of Jesus. Now, I, I think sometimes our heads are so full of nonsense about God that sometimes we have to turn ourselves upside down, cut off the top of our heads, so to speak, and then pour all the garbage out and then tip ourselves up the other way, fill ourselves up with the right knowledge and put the lid back on and seal it before it gets lost again. All right? That's one way, but maybe a daily infilling of inspirational thought from reading the Bible and discovering who God is. Now, this is what I know about God. God is, and he wants to reward people. Did you know that? God wants to reward people. If you read towards the back of the Bible in the book of Hebrews, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you seek after God, he will reward your search. The next thing I want to know you to know about God is that he seeks after you. Now, can I have the pieces of paper, please? Um, the blank ones that weren't used. In, thank you. We're going to put them out the front here. Yeah, just going to put them out the front. Now, I would like you, those of you who still have your paper planes in your hands, you've, some of them have got some horrible marks on them now. Some of you have probably got them all twisted up. Okay. But God is saying to you tonight that he wants to give you a clean sheet of paper and for you and him to write on that piece of paper, just the two of you together. What is the story that God wants you to write with him about who you are? Maybe you'd start with, dear God, my life's been a mess and I'd like to change that. Can you help me? It would be as simple as that. But I want to invite you to come out the front and get a clean sheet of paper. Some of you might want to kneel out here and start the story all over again. 
hand your will and your life over to the care of God, you may not understand much about him. When I was a little boy, I used to think that God was up in heaven looking over uh, sort of a veranda or a balustrade and he had a big white beard and a big stick and saying, you're naughty. All right, that's what I thought about God. But you see, I've grown up a bit. And I understand a bit more about him. You don't have to understand everything there is to understand about God before you hand your will and your life over to him. All right? Nobody understands all there is to understand about God. Now, to help us in this time of uh, this moment, I'm going to ask the musicians to come up to the platform and sing. We're going to sing I Surrender. And as they sing that... Um, I want to invite you to get your clean sheet of paper. Now, some of you have already started your clean sheet of paper because I can tell by the way you're responding. And uh, But you know what? It mightn't hurt to get a clean sheet regardless of where you are in this journey. You see, what are we handing over? We're not only handing over the past, we're handing over the future. You're handing over all your step four stuff, you know? that moral garbage that gets uncovered while you're doing that. You're handing over your step six and seven stuff, you know, all the defects that you're asking God to get rid of, the eight and nine stuff where you've got a list of people that you need to make amends to. And your daily inventory, step ten, all of that's getting handed over. Why? Well, you can trust God with it. You can trust him absolutely with it. Now, today I pick up my clean sheet of paper. Because you see, I need a clean sheet of paper every day. I make a decision to hand my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. But if I make another decision at 10 o'clock this morning, you know, I start at 6 o'clock making the decision, but oh, I'm going to forget about it at 10 o'clock. All right? The only way to change a decision is to make another decision. How many have made bad decisions in the past? All of us have. But today is the day to make a better decision, to hand our will and our lives over to the care of God. Now, what did we read in the Bible reading before? Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to Jesus, and the rest may look like this clean sheet of paper. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Walk beside Jesus. Work with him and let him work with you to achieve the life that he has planned for you. So as we sing, take advantage of this moment to come and get your clean sheet of paper and God bless you.